Hey, we, how many of y'all have been looking forward to the chapter on Melchizedek? Oh, this is going to be great. Uh, we, we have researched and researched and researched. It's going to be really, really interesting. But keep in mind, keep in mind, this was the topic and part of the teaching that the writer was nervous about going over because of their level of immaturity. He was wanting to ease into this, if you will, because of where they were spiritually, where they were in their spiritual walk. And, uh, and so this meat, if you will, is all about Jesus's high priestly ministry in heaven. All right. And what he is doing presently for us here, uh, where we are on earth and he is in heaven, what he's doing for us there. Okay. So if you have your Bibles, look with me in Hebrews. Let's start at the very last couple verses, uh, in Hebrews chapter number six. Uh, and then we'll, we'll jump into chapter number seven, Hebrews chapter number six in verse number 19, verse 19. If you're there, say amen. It says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, but both sure and steadfast in which he entereth into the, that within the veil. So, uh, if just as a little reminder, uh, this is, this is old Testament, uh, a, a picture of the old Testament temple tabernacle. He said, there is a temple in heaven. There is a veil that Jesus has gone into. If you with me say amen. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, talking about Jesus, made and high priest. There's a key word, made, made and high priest for ever after the order of Melchizedek. Let's, let's pray right there and uh, we'll get started. That We got a lot to cover tonight, all right? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy. Uh, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to to be in your house studying your word. Lord, there's, there's been so many, uh, so many deaths this week, so many uh, tragedies and things going on that, uh, Lord, a lot of people are hurting right now, and a lot of people are broken and, and need healing and help, and I know you're the God of all comfort, and you can do those very things. And I pray that you'll be a present help in the time of trouble, a refuge and a strength. And Lord, tonight, Lord, bless the ones that's here. Bless the ones that came even though it was raining, even though the weather's bad. Lord, they're excited. They want to know. They want to grow. Uh, Lord, they want to mature and chew on the meat and Lord, not just get milk. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll, you'll set the table tonight and serve the bread of life. And God will give you the glory and the praise and the honor. Uh, Lord, I, don't let me say anything I'm not supposed to. Uh, sounds like I already did earlier, so I, I, I am uh, repenting over the bitterness. Lord, please forgive me for that. Lord, don't let me say anything more than I'm not supposed to, but don't let me forget anything I need to. And God will be careful to give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I felt necessary to repent and get right with God before I could teach. Amen. Uh, here in Hebrews chapter number seven, we, we are, uh, actually we were introduced to this mysterious character in chapter uh, number five, and we said we would get to it sooner, uh, uh, sooner or later, where well, later has come. Uh, we are going to look at this man, Melchizedek. Uh, we find him first in Genesis chapter number 14, and we'll cover that here in just a second. Uh, Psalms 110, David is uh, referring to him also there, talking about the coming Messiah. Uh, and then Hebrews 5, 6, and 7. Briefly mentioned in 5, briefly mentioned in 6, and then go into detail in chapter number seven. Now, as a way of uh, maybe some background information, maybe some background information to help us go into this. Uh, remember, remember the whole study. The whole study is about helping these Jewish uh, uh, Christians who were struggling, who were going through persecution, who were dealing with doubt and dealing with uh, uh, just going back 
to where they used to be in the study and in the, uh, the life and living of, of Judaism. And he is explaining that with Christ, what you have now is better than what you had then. How many of y'all remember all that so far? Amen. And, and so now, now he begins to describe the priesthood of Jesus, the priesthood of Jesus and why the priesthood of Jesus is better than the priesthood of Aaron or of the Levitical priesthood. There was the tribe of Levi right? Aaron was of the tribe of Levi, but then Aaron's sons specifically were given the responsibility to be the priests and serve as priests in the temple. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And so that's all they knew. And that's all they had for centuries and, and years and years and years and years. And now they have to turn from that because Jesus did away from that. And now he is their high priest. And so he is convincing them in this chapter why Melchizedek, the order of Melchizedek, how Jesus in this new order, in this different order, is better than the order of Aaron and the order of Levi. If you follow me, say amen. Now the word order, and I'm trying to, uh, guys, I, I, I'm telling you, this was, uh, it, 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 it's, it's like trying to turn a, a, a real tough, tough steak into pudding so we can understand this. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And so I've tried to define as many words as I can so it'll make sense to everybody in case, because I'm understanding the fact we're not all at the same place when it comes with our Bible knowledge and what we, and so I don't want to take for granted that if I say something or I use a term, you automatically know it. So I'm going to over explain things. Is that okay? Say amen. Now the word order, what do you mean by the order of Aaron? Uh, the word order means rank, class, or division of men. It's, it's, the, it's the Greek word taxis, not taxi, but taxis, which means a fixed succession or arrangement. A fixed succession or arrangement. In other words, when, when, uh, when God got Aaron and his sons and he decided you're going to be the priest, and everybody from your line, your sons and your grandsons and your great-grandson and your great-great-grandson, it has to be in that succession, in that order. That's why it's called the order of Aaron or the, the Levitical order. Aaron was of the tribe of Levi. Aaron was specifically chosen by God to be the first priest uh, for the nation of Israel. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And so in order to be a priest in Israel, you had to be not only of the tribe of Levi, but you had to be one of the sons, grandsons of Aaron. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Now, now, with that being said, with that being said, let's describe, let's describe the priesthood a little bit, okay? Let's describe the priesthood a little bit. First of all, <clears throat> the entire tribe of Levi was dedicated to God, by God, to the religious service. Although all priests were Levites, not all Levites were priests. You remember? You, you could be in the tribe of Levi and you could serve in the temple by, by maybe uh, uh, some of the religious services or whatever that you provide for the priests. The priests were the official authorities, but you were a helper to them. If you with me, say amen. That's the, that's the tribe of Levi, but you, you had to be, you had to be from the line of Aaron in order to serve as a priest. Now the non-priestly Levites served as helpers to the priest, maybe singers, instrumentalists, uh, uh, things of that nature. But the priesthood was strictly national, strictly Jewish. It was a strictly Jewish priesthood. They served and they ministered strictly to the Jewish people in the Jewish nation. Amen? Amen? Secondly, the Levites were subject to the king, all right, just like every other tribe. Their priestly functions were not under the control of the king, but in all other matters, they were ordinary subjects. They had to submit to the king. They were not a ruling class. Matter of fact, as a Levite, you, could, you were not even allowed to be a king. The king had to come from the tribe of Judah. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, thirdly, 
The priest, this is not in your notes, just, just follow along with me. Just follow along. We'll get there in just a second. The priestly sacrifices, including the one by the high priest on the day of atonement, were not permanent. Say that with me. They were not they had, they had to be repeated and repeated and repeated continually. They had no permanence. They provided no permanent forgiveness, no permanent righteousness, no permanent peace. Fourthly, the Levitical priesthood was hereditary. A man who served as a priest did so because he was born into the right family, not because he lived a right life. And that's going to come up big at the end. All you had to do was be born in the right family. In other words, you could be a scoundrel and still be a priest as long as you were born into the right family. And, and guess what? There were some. There were some. But then, lastly, the effects of the sacrifices were temporary. So was the time of priestly service. This is big. A priest served from the age of 25 until the age of 50. After this, his ministry was over. He had to retire. He was forced to retire at the age of 50. He served from 25 to 50, and then he was done. And not only that, it was temporary, not only because he was forced to retire at that age, if he made it to that age, but also, eventually, he dies. He dies, and then another priest has to come, and he dies, and another priest has to come, and he dies, and another priest has to come, and he dies. It never ended. And so you, you got you to gotta see this, because in order to understand the significance of Jesus' eternal ministry as high priest, you got to see the limitations of man in, in, the, in the order of Aaron, in the order of Levi, their limitations and their uh, imperfections, if you will. So now does everybody understand? Everybody understand? God gathered the nation of Israel out of Egypt, brought them to Mount Sinai and said, this is my law. This is how I want you to behave. This is how I want you to act. And this is how you're going to approach me. This is how you're going to be right with me. And he, and he instituted uh, sacrifices. He instituted offerings. He instituted ceremonies. All of these things in order for them to approach God. But guess what? They were still limited. There was still a veil that separated man from God. Nothing was permanent. Every, listen, you, your sacrifice lasted till you sinned again. Some of y'all wouldn't even made it home till you had to bring a lamb back to the temple. Do I have a witness? Everything was temporary. And I know we laugh at that, but that, that is reality. And, and so another lamb had to die. Another lamb had to die. And, and what was significant about that? The, the, the purpose for that is for you. The, the, here, this was the process. I, I committed a sin. And so I bring my lamb, uh, something that is dear to me. It had to be a spotless lamb, a, a special lamb. It, it was something that was dear to me. And I come to this, the, the priest, and I lay my hands on the priest and symbolically transferring my sin upon this lamb. And when I did that, I confessed my sin. I confessed my sin before God, transferring my sin to this lamb. Then that priest would cut its throat and, and, and take the blood of that lamb into and offer it as a sacrifice. You say, that's terrible. Exactly. God wanted us all to understand the significance of our sin. We all, sometimes I think we all take our sin lightly before God, and it's like it's no big deal. But I'm going to tell you what, when you're standing there and you see that lamb and you see that lamb's uh, life leaving its eyes and the blood dripping from that lamb, and it's because of you that lamb has to die, it's significant. And that had to happen over and over and over and over. God did not want us to take our sin lightly. God wanted us to understand the significance of our sin, the significance of our disobedience. And then he wanted us to see that there's coming a lamb where that won't ever have to happen again. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's jump in our outline and, and let's look at this man, Melchizedek. <clears throat> 
we, we find, first of all, first of all, if you're, if you're looking at your notes, we see the man. We see the man. It says this in, in, in chapter 7. I, I put in your notes just a few verses out of chapter number 14 because that's the first time we see him. So let me just do that. Let me do that before we jump into it. That'll, that'll give us a head start. In Genesis chapter number 14, how many of y'all remember uh, a man by the name of Abraham and a man by the name of Lot? How many of y'all remember they separated and, and, and Abraham went one way and Lot went the other way? Where did Lot end up going? Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And, and he was there and there came a time, there came a time when the enemies of the king of Sodom uh, came and attacked Sodom and Gomorrah took them captive, and, and if you look at a map, if you look at a map, you, you have Israel here, and, and you have Sodom and Gomorrah way down here by the Dead Sea. You have Jerusalem right here in the middle, and then you have Damascus way up here at the top, right? Damascus, Syria. Well, they came down and attacked them, took them captive, took them prisoners, took all the spoils of war, took all of that, and they go, and they're headed north. Well, word gets back, word gets back to Abraham, oh, Uncle Abe. And he, he gathers his servants, he gathers his warriors, his soldiers together, and they chase him down. And the Bible says they attack him and chase him all the way to the gates of Damascus. All right? So they're in the very far north of the promised land, and, and, and Abraham defeats them, and he gets all of the spoils, he gets all of the people back, and he has this great amount of the spoils of war, all of the, the material things, the money and the wealth and all that, and now he's headed back home. Well, in order to get home, you have to go through Jerusalem. All right? And so he's coming through the, the king's dale, if you will, which is the brook Kidron. And uh, Melchizedek is the king of Salem, which we know as Jerusalem. Jerusalem, peace, the place of peace. He is the king of peace. He comes out. He comes out to greet Abraham and all of the people coming through. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now let's start reading. Let's start reading. The Bible says in Genesis 14, 18, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the most high God. And he blessed him, talking about Abraham, he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and an earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. He gave him tithes of all. All right, now, that's the original that's the original experience. That's the original story of what happened. Now let's jump into Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, that means Melchizedek, his name means king of righteousness. Uh, uh, and after that, also king of Salem, which is king of without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the son of God, abideth priest continually. Now, let's do this. Let's look and see what do we know, what do we know about the man? What does the Bible teaches about this man, Melchizedek. Well, first of all, this is not, don't write this down here, but just first of all, I need you to know who he wasn't, all right? There, there's a lot of speculation, a lot of, a lot of theories out there. People, uh, Bible scholars say, well, he's this and he's that. Some think he was an angel. He appeared as an angel because the Bible says without descent, uh, without a beginning, without an end, without a father, you know, he was an angel that appeared. Some believe that, that he was a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ himself, a Christophany, all right? None of that's true. He was a man. He was simply a man. He was a man from Canaan who worshiped the one true God, 
Are y'all with me? Flesh and blood, sure enough, regular man. Not angel man, not Jesus man, man. Okay? He was just a king. He was a king. And, and this is what, what kind of puzzled me a little bit. Because growing up, anytime you hear anything about Canaanites, it was evil. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, you study it that, that, that when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt, they came to Canaan and God told them to wipe them out because their wickedness had come before. And everything you know about Canaan and Canaanites, they were utterly wicked, utterly evil, but it wasn't always that way. And this is one of the things that surprised me when I really started digging in this to, to teach you guys, uh, that there was a time, there was a time in the land of Canaan when there were people who worshiped the one true God. Now, this shouldn't, this shouldn't surprise us because Abraham did. You remember, Abraham come, come from a, a background that was, was not godly. Uh, what about Job? We have Job. He was, a, he was a worshiper of the one true God. Now, watch what archaeologists have found. Uh, in, the, in the 1920s, <clears throat> in the 1920s, archaeologists were excavating a site called Ras Shamra which turned out to be the ancient city of Ugarit, uh, which is in the northern, very far northern, almost in the Syria part of Canaan in, in the promised land there. They uncovered thousands of tablets that described every area of Canaanite life, including their religion. The discoveries revealed that there was a devolution, if you will, a devolution, in other words, went from the worship of one true God to the worship of many gods and ended up being with one, one God over all the gods, Baal. And, and, and if you studied your Old Testament at all, you know, you, you understand, you've heard Baal. Uh, some it said he was the God of uh, thunder and lightning, the God of fertility, just uh, unbelievably, ultraly wicked. But it wasn't always that way. There was a time when there were Canaanites that worshiped the one true God. And the way it's described here, the way it's described here in Genesis 14, it was uh, God Almighty or the Most High God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, look in, look in your notes. Look in your notes. Write this down. Write this down. The man, first of all, what do we know about him? And this is strictly from scripture. First, he was a king and priest. He was a king and priest. Now we know that the Levites couldn't do that. The Levites couldn't be king and priest. You, you could be a priest, but you could not serve as a king. Matter of fact, there were times when there were certain kings that tried to serve in the office of a king and got judged for it. Y'all remember uh, King Uzziah? King Uzziah was a great king, a, a, a godly king, a man of God, but he decided he wanted to do the priest's office too, and God struck him with leprosy. So we know that this man is greater in that he was king and king and priest. All right, now we'll come back to that. We see B, not only was he king and priest, but his priesthood was universal. His priesthood was, you're going to like this. His priesthood was universal. What do we mean by that? All right. The Jewish people had a name for God, Jehovah or Yahweh. All right. The Levitical priests were priests of Jehovah. The Israelites were the people of Jehovah. The Levitical priests could only minister to Israel and only for Jehovah. In other words, they were limited in their scope of ministry, and it was only for the nation of Israel. But watch, watch Melchizedek. He worshiped, and he served as the priest of the Most High God, El Elyon, El Elyon, which means God Most High, which was a universal name for God. It represents God as possessor of heaven and of earth, God above all national and dispensational distinctions, the most high God is over both Jew and Gentile and is first mentioned in scripture in relation to Melchizedek. 
Now, what does that mean? The Levites could only serve the Israelis. But this priest was a priest for everyone. Jesus, man, say amen. And I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Slow down, son. Slow down. All right. See, see. We know he was, A, he was. Come on, everybody. A, he was. B, he, his priesthood was universal. universal. C, he was associated with righteousness and peace. The Bible says that righteousness and peace kissed each other in Christ. Jesus brought righteousness, and by bringing righteousness, we have peace. peace. D, he received tithes from Abraham, and that's important. We'll get back to that. He received tithes from Abraham. Abraham's coming from the battle. He's, he's got all of these spoils of war. And he sees the priest of the most high God. And it's, it's amazing. I don't know if they've met before. I don't know if they've met before. Maybe they have, maybe they didn't. I, I'm not sure. But I do know this, that there was something that, that Melchizedek recognized in Abraham. And there was something Abraham recognized in Melchizedek. And he came out to bless. Whoa, say amen. He came out to bless the one who would be a blessing to everyone. And he brings, the, he brings the food. And Abraham submits to this priest of the Most High God and gives him tithes of all that he had. Voluntarily gave the best that he had to him. That's a good illustration for us. Amen. All right. Now, and by the way, he did that before he got the blessing. Or excuse me, excuse me. After the blessing. Now, what, what does that mean? You shouldn't tithe to get a blessing. You should tithe because you you've been blessed. Are y'all with me? So, so he, he, he gives tithes to Abraham. Then, then look at this. Look at the next one. And this is big. His genealogy is not recorded. His genealogy is not recorded. It says in verse number three, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. What does that mean? Does that mean he just appeared preaching? No, it just means it's not recorded. That's all it means. Don't get too super spiritual, supernatural on this. It just means the Bible did not record it. Now, why is that significant? Why is that important? Because you could not be, you could not be a priest and serve as a priest unless you had the papers for it. You had to prove your genealogy. You had to prove that you actually truly came from the tribe of Levi and from the sons of Aaron. Are y'all with me? If you couldn't prove the genealogy, you couldn't be a priest. But we have a man here. We have no record of his birth. We have no record of his death. As far as we know, he ain't never died according to the record. Are y'all with me? We're going somewhere. I'm telling you, I'm setting the table. Y'all think this don't mean nothing, but everything, every point here is going to mean something in just a minute. Now watch. There's no genealogy. Now, now, number two. Number one, number one, we see the, the man. That's all we know about the man. I might have left something out, but I don't think it did. He was a king and a priest. His priesthood was universal. He was associated with righteousness and peace. He received tithes from Abraham, and his genealogy is not recorded. All right, number two. I want you to see the message. What is this message to us? What do we take from this? First of all, first of all, Melchizedek is an Old Testament type or picture of Christ. Melchizedek is an Old Testament type or picture of Christ. God so much loved taking Old Testament situations, Old Testament characters, Old Testament stories to point you to his son. Amen. Now, if you, if you really study the Bible, 
if you really study the Bible, you're going to find out that the entire Bible is about Jesus. The, the Old Testament is Jesus is coming. The Gospels is Jesus is here. All the rest is Jesus is coming back. That sums up the Bible. It's all about his son. Yes, and our life is summed up in Christ. Everything we are, we have in Christ. And God took situation after situation after situation to draw a picture. All right, look at the life of Joseph. The life of Joseph. It's amazing all that he went through. He said, man, why in the world did Joseph have to go through that? Man, God was drawing the most detailed picture of his son in the life of Joseph. He was hated by his brethren. He was thrown in a pit. He was sold for silver. He took a Gentile bride. He went, listen, he, he, he became the Lord. Somebody say amen. He was loaded. Say amen. Greatest picture of Christ in the, in the Old Testament. Listen, remember when, 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 when the, the serpents bit the, the children of Israel in the wilderness because of their murmuring and their complaining and their whining? Better not be whining. Y'all remember? If you don't, go read your Bible. Serpents, God had serpents come and bite them. They're dying because of the poison. And, and Moses intercedes for him. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a brazen serpent, put it on this pole and hold it up. And, and listen, if they'll look on that serpent, they'll be healed. They had to have faith and believe the word of God that God would do what he said he would do. And those that looked were healed and those that didn't died. You say, what's that got to do with anything? According to John chapter number three, that that was a picture of Jesus being put on a cross and dying for our sins. And if we look to the cross and we look to Jesus, we'll be saved. Amen. According to John 3, that was a picture of Christ. Well, Melchizedek is a picture and a type of Christ. How is he a picture and a type of Christ? Well, the first thing we talked about is he was a king and priest. Now, let's turn to, let's turn to Psalm 110. Psalm 110, turn quickly there, because this is the second. We find Melchizedek first in Genesis 14, and then we find David talking about him in uh, Psalm 110, and that is a reference to the Messiah, the coming Messiah. Are y'all with me? Amen. The coming Messiah. Psalm 110. I guess I ought to get there myself. <clears throat> All right. Psalm 110. Now, he's describing, he's describing the coming Messiah and seeing a declaration. God is declaring, God is declaring uh, two things. He's declaring a king and he's declaring a priest. Watch this. The Lord said, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou, that would be God the Father saying to God the Son, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Zion is Jerusalem. Rule thou. Say it with me. Rule thou. Rule thou. There's the de declaration of kingship. All right. He's going to rule as king out of Zion, which is Jerusalem. All right. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord has sworn, God the Father has sworn, and will not repent. He will not change his mind. Thou, talking about Christ, art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Are y'all with me? What is he saying here? According to the the prophetic writing of King David, he is saying that the Messiah is not only going to be a king, he's going to be a he's going to be a priest. Just like just like are y'all with me? Say, where do you get that? Where do you get that he's a type? Well, look at the verse. Look at the verse, Hebrews 7 3. Go back to Hebrews. Hebrews 7, 3, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. Why is he describing that part of it? Why is he, why is he giving you that detail? But made, 
What's that next word? Like unto the Son of God. He is a type. He is a picture of the Son of God. Now look at the next verse. Look at the next verse, Hebrews 7:15. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude, what does the word similitude mean? It's right underneath. I gave you the definition right underneath it. Likeness or resemblance of Melchizedek, there ariseth another. Y'all with me? There is going to come another priest that's going to resemble, y'all with me? Will be similar to this priest, Melchizedek. God is saying, let me tell you what my son's going to be when he gets here. And he gives us a picture of this king of Jerusalem, this king of peace, this, this king of righteousness. Oh, that's Jesus all the way. He's definitely the king of peace and the king of righteousness, but he's also the priest of the most high God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch, watch. Listen, no genealogy, not Jesus never had a beginning and he ain't never going to have just like he was king and priest just like are, are y'all with me? Listen. Mm. He's a universal priest. He's not limited to the Jewish nation, the Jewish people. He is a priest for Jew and Gentile. Somebody say amen. Just like. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Watch this. Not only was he an Old Testament type or picture of Christ, he was great. Look out now. He's fixing to really chap them. These Jewish people, man, they're all about their ancestors. He was greater than Abraham. So how do you know he's greater than Abraham? Well, it says in verse 4 and verse 7. He says in verse 4, Now consider. <laughs> Now consider how great this man was, Melchizedek, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Now let me tell you something. The Jewish people revered Abraham. He was the dude. He was Father Abraham. And now the writer is saying, let me tell you, I hate to break it to you, but Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. Right. Say, well, how do you know he's greater? Well, he said it in verse 4, but he proves it in verse 7. At when Abraham came to him, when Abraham came to him, he knelt before him, and that priest put his hands on the head of Abraham and blessed him blessed him. Now watch what the Bible says about the blessee or the blessed and the blesser. Are y'all with me? Watch what the Bible says about this. Look in verse seven. And without contradiction, that's the King James way of saying it, with no argument. We can't even argue about this. The less is Blessed of the So the less would be Abraham. He was blessed by the better who would be. He's greater than Abraham. See, all you, all you people wanting to go back into Judaism, you're wanting to go back into something that's lesser than what you've got. <laughs> all right. All right, watch this. His, <laughs> let me see, do I want to go there? Yeah, I want to go there. Look what it says, look what it says. Not only, not only did Abraham give tithes, right? He gave to the less, gave to the better, the greater, right? And look what it says. Now consider how great this man was. This verse four. Unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. 
And we're fixing to find out not only did Abraham tithe, watch this, and verily they that are of the sons of Levi who received the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is of their brethren, through uh, uh, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. Watch this. In other words, he's saying, now these guys over here are pretty special because God commanded that they be able to receive tithes of their own brethren. And so you keep them in high regard, you look up to these guys, you revere the tribe of Levi, and you revere the priesthood. He says, but watch this. He said, but he, verse 6, but he whose descent is not counted from them. In other words, Melchizedek. Y'all with me? He wasn't of the tribe of Levi. Matter of fact, the tribe of Levi wasn't even around yet. All right, but he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Watch this. And here men die, here, excuse me, and here men that die receive tithes, but there, talking about that situation in chapter 14 of Genesis, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he... So where do you get that from? There's no record of him dying. All these, all these priests that have received these tithes, guess what all of them did? They died. Over and over and over again. Watch this now. Watch this. And as I may say, well, I was going to say it like we say it. And as I may so say, and this is how we say it. And if I say so, if I may say so, Levi also, who receiveth tithes, paid tithes in For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. In other words, all these priests, all the tribe of Levi, all of Aaron's sons, all of them, paid tithes to this man, Melchizedek, while they were in the loins of their great-great-great-great-great-great-granddaddy, Abraham. Therefore, he's greater than the whole priestly tribe of Levi. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Now watch. You, you, you have to understand, this is information to you, but this is startling to Jewish people. Because their whole life, the greatest thing in their life was the priesthood. The closest thing they had to God was the priesthood, the, the high priest. And are y'all with me? Amen. And now God is saying there was something greater even before that came into existence. Yes. Now, so we see, not only was he an Old Testament type of picture of Christ, B, he was, everybody real loud, he was greater, greater than Abraham, but then C, his ministry symbolically is eternal. That is very, very, very important. It says, neither beginning of days nor end of life. In other words, let me, let me read the information. <clears throat> this is from Warren Wiersbe. He's a great Bible commentator. He said, as far as the record is concerned, he was not born, nor did he die. In this way, now remember, not in reality, but as far as the biblical record is concerned. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. He is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, come on, the eternal. That's the word I want you to get. Say it loud. The eternal son of God. Though Jesus Christ did die, Calvary was not the end. He arose from the dead and today lives in the power of an endless life. Verse 16, since there is no account of Melchizedek's death, as far as the record is concerned, it seems that Melchizedek is still serving as priest and king. This is another way in which he is like the eternal son 
of God. He is a picture. God took a man in the Old Testament and put it in biblical record in such a way that you could see an aspect of the ministry of Christ in the New Testament that you wouldn't have seen before. Because there were no, there were no king priests. You were either king or you were priest. They were separated. But see, but see, God knew that his son would be king and And so he puts this man, this character in Genesis 14 to give you a, a, a panoramic view of his son. And, and not just, not just because, because there's, other, there's other types as a sacrifice, as a lamb, you know, the Passover lamb is a type of Christ dying and being the Passover. Behold, what John say, behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. But why is this so significant? Because this man typifies the, the high priestly ministry of Christ. Almost everything else gave you a type and a picture of what Jesus would do here on this earth. Even Jonah in the, in the, in the whale. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, the son of the man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Are y'all with me? Amen. Everything was there. But this man is a picture of what Jesus is doing for us presently right now. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch. It gets, it's going to get gooder and gooder. Watch this right here. <clears throat> Verse 11. So, so far, we see that Jesus is after a brand new order. He's not after the order of Levi because he came from the tribe of Judah. He's not after the order of Aaron. He's a brand new, there's a brand new priesthood. He's after a total different order, the order of Melchizedek. Now the writer has to explain why it was important that this happened. All right? Verse number 11. Verse number 11, we see the meaning. We see the man. We see the message. He's a type. We see all of those types. Then we see what does this mean to us? If therefore, perfection, perfection. Now, what do we say, what do we say many times the word per perfection means? Complete, right? Complete, wholeness, fullness, complete. Doesn't mean without error. It doesn't mean without flaw. It means complete. In other words, if you're putting a puzzle together, if you're putting a puzzle together and there's five pieces over here, it is not or perfect. You would say it's not complete yet. It's not perfect. But when you when you put those pieces in and it's complete, you would say perfection. Does that make sense? All right, now watch. If this, if therefore perfection were by the, now, now hang on, let me, I got to say this. What did we say earlier about the, the Arionic priesthood, the, 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 the priesthood of Levi? It was never finished. It was never complete. Do you know they, they didn't have any place to sit in the temple? Because their work was never done. They had to constantly offer a sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. There was nothing permanent. There was no permanent forgiveness. There was no permanent sacrifice. There was no permanent washing of our sins away. There was no permanent redemption. And because there was no permanent righteousness, we could have no permanent peace. Peace. And because of the imperfection of the Le Levitical priesthood, things had to change. Y'all with me? Look here. Here's the meaning, 1120, or excuse me, 711. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek? and not be called after the order of Aaron. In other words, he's saying, why did we need something else? 
why didn't, why didn't the order of Aaron, why couldn't they get the job done? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. So what do we find? What does this mean to us? What is this new priesthood? What, what is this new order of Melchizedek? What is this new high priest Jesus? What does it mean to us? First of all, the Levitical priesthood was imperfect. Write that down. A, the Levitical priesthood was imperfect. It was not complete. It could not fix you completely. Verse 18 and 19. For there is verily a disannulling, means cancellation, of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For, watch this now. For the law made nothing perfect. It couldn't get the job done. Y'all with me? Amen. The Levitical priesthood was imperfect. B, the Levitical priesthood was replaced. We find that in verses 12 through 15. It was replaced. It was not made better. It was done away with. It was replaced. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, talking about Jesus and the tribe of Judah, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which uh, tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest. Preacher, what are you saying? Because the law said, the law said in order to be a priest, you had to be of the tribe of Levi and you had to be a son of Aaron. So because that changed, the law had to change. Preacher, what happened to the law? Christ abolished it on the cross. Does that mean we don't have the moral law? No, absolutely. He reaffirmed the moral law in the New Testament. But the ceremonial law has been abolished. It's been abolished. Now, watch this. Not only has the Levitical priesthood it was imperfect. It could not get the job done. It could not make perfect uh, the one who brought the sacrifice. It could not bring a permanent righteousness, a permanent forgiveness, a permanent peace. So God replaced it with a brand new priesthood. See, Christ was made a priest by declaration of God. This is verse 16 through 21. And we find the, the, the confirmation of that in Psalms 110 that we read earlier from the, the psalmist David. And matter of fact, it's quoted right here. Look what it says, verse 16. Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment. The word carnal there means physical. It means physical. In other words, in order, in order, to, in order to be a priest under the Old Testament economy, you had to physically be born of the tribe of Levi or be a son of Aaron. Does that make sense? It didn't matter your character. It didn't matter if you were a heathen. You just had to be in the right family. And, and so uh, that, was, that was the requirement. Your genealogy, basically. Your, your, your bloodline. Your family tree. Okay? But God said this new one has nothing to do with that. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. In other words, uh, the word endless means uh, indestructible or unstoppable, uh, an ending. Uh, He has an endless life. For he testifieth, he testifieth, this is God the Father. Now he's quoting from Psalm 110, what God said in Psalm 110. For he testifieth, thou, talking about Jesus, God the Father is talking about God the Son, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
Thou art a priest for? That's the key. Every priest died. Every priest, his priesthood was temporary. He had to retire at 50. He ended, eventually he died. So his priesthood, what? Ended. Ended. Are y'all seeing where the writer's going here? He's trying to tell you why his priesthood is so much better. Because the Old Testament priests, they could not bring in a final deliverance, a final forgiveness, a final righteousness, a permanent forgiveness and a permanent peace because they died and another one came and they died and another one came and they died. But we have a priest now who will never die. He will never die. For the law... Uh, let me back up where I stop. Verse 17, now, look verse 18. For there is verily a disannulling. That means cancellation of the commandment. The, in other words, the commandment of having to be of the tribe of Levi or of the sons of Aaron going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. Preacher, what are you saying? The old law couldn't get the job done. The old priesthood couldn't get the job done. The sons of Aaron couldn't get the job done. They were temporary. They were weak. They were unprofitable. They were here for a short time. So God brought in something better, a better hope. And that better hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of the Lord Jesus Christ, look, look what that verse says. It says, now we can come and approach God. In the Old Testament economy, in the tribe of Levi and the sons of Aaron, they could only bring you so far. But there was still a wall there. And inside the curtain, there was still a veil there. But our better hope died on Calvary and the veil ripped from the top to the bottom and now we can approach God because what we have now is better than what they had then. Church, say amen. It's better. I'm telling you, it's better. It's better. We have a better hope. A better hope by which we draw nigh to God. You see with the Old Testament priests the old priesthood, you could only go so far. They could only bring you so far. But because of our new high priest, he says, come boldly. Just come on in. Just come boldly before the throne of grace that you may receive help. Are y'all with me? Man, this is good. Look what it says. Verse 20. Verse 20. And inasmuch as not without an oath, he was. In other words, he didn't get it because of his daddy. Well, kind of he did. Because his daddy ordained him, amen. I, I'm just saying he didn't get it just because of his family tree. God the Father made him, made an oath. You will be a priest forever. And according to Psalm 110, I will not change my mind. Are y'all with me? <laughs> For those priests, those priests were made without an But this was an oath by him that said unto him, the Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever. That's Psalm 110. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Amen. By so much was Jesus made a surety. The word surety means a guarantee. If you're a surety, if, if, if Brother Josh went and, and bought a Mercedes tomorrow and his credit wasn't good enough and they called me, mine sure wouldn't be. But uh, he needed somebody to sign for him. And I know his mom ain't going to sign for him, so I'm going to sign. I'm going to sign. Well, maybe she would. She loves him for some reason. But somebody's going to have to sign. That signing is a surety. Now, what is a surety? That signing means if Josh don't pony up the money, they will. 
They are guarantee the agreement, the covenant. Preacher, what are you saying? God gave us Jesus as a guarantee of the promise of salvation and permanent forgiveness. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He was a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests. Watch this. This is good. We're, we're, oh, we're out of time. We got to know we got to finish. Got to finish. Here, watch this. Uh, And they were truly many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of, but this man, because he continueth ever, he never dies. He is ever living. Because, listen, they changed all the time. The priesthood changed all the time. Sometimes you'd have a good priest. Sometimes you'd have a bad priest. Sometimes you'd have a crooked one. Sometimes you'd have an honest one. It was constantly changing. It was rough. Sometimes the priests abused them. Sometimes the priests were good to them. But it was constantly changing because they were constantly dying. There was always a different one. But according to this, Jesus will never die. He will be forever. And so that means his priesthood will never change. Church, say amen. We see Christ was made a priest by declaration of God. D, Christ's priesthood never ends or changes. Now here's the biggie. Let, let, me, give you the, let me give you the points of the last one because that's really, it's good, but it's not as good as what E's going to be because I want to finish with E. Write this down. We see the character of the minister Verses 26 and 27, he was a high priest who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. In other words, he wasn't nothing like those those former priests, those weak, sinful priests who had to offer sacrifice for themselves before they could offer sacrifice for the people. The character of the minister, the confirmation of the minister. The confirmation is verse 28. For the law maketh men high priests which have an infirmity. In other words, they were weak. They had issues. They had problems. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. He was confirmed to be our high priest. Now, now, watch this. Because the Levitical priesthood was imperfect, the Levitical priesthood was replaced. Christ was made a priest by declaration of God. He said, I make you a priest, a priest forever. Did y'all catch that? Forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now watch. Because Christ's priesthood never ends or changes, verse 25, we can say this. Wherefore, in other words, because everything we studied tonight, We can say this right here. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Why? Seeing he ever liveth to make. Ho, 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 ho. You remember what we said the milk was? That Jesus came, he lived, and he died, and he rose again. What is the meat? That he is, it's not what he did for us, it's what he's doing for us. What is he doing? He's ever living to intercede on our behalf. He's ever living to stand at the right hand of the Father and intercede for you and for me. And because he's doing, now here's the deal. You you ain't got it yet because I ain't gave it to you. Here is why that's such a big deal. That gives him the ability to save to the uttermost. You say, what is the uttermost? Now, some people misphrase this. They say, I've been saved from the uttermost. No, 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 that's not what that says. Although he can, that's not what that says. It says you're saved to the uttermost. Let me look, watch this. This is a definition. This is the definition of uttermost. Entire, full end. 
That means Christ, because of his priesthood, because he ever lives to make intercession for us, Christ can keep us saved until the end. I don't think you got what I just said. Because of his ministry right now, because of what he's doing in heaven and he's ever living, interceding, that means he is our high priest right now in the holy of holies in heaven, interceding, praying for us on our behalf. And because of that, he has the ability to save us all the way to the very end. He Once you place your faith in him and believe on him, he will not lose you. You are everlasting saved. He didn't just, he, he didn't just, I got to stop. He didn't just provide salvation and say, do the best you can. No, he looks at us sometimes like Peter and said, Peter, your, your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. Satan desired to have thee, he may sit you as weak, but I have interceded for you. Man. Every Christian alive needs to memorize that. Preacher, how saved are you? I'm saved slam to the uttermost. Well, what is that? That means I'm saved slam to the end. Stand up. I'm in trouble already. Seven minutes. Over. Christ can keep us saved. Y'all see, y'all see how I put them letters? Is that up back here? Capital K, capital E, capital E, capital P. You ain't going to get away from it. Are you in here struggling with your eternal security? I don't know what else to tell you. I really don't. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? The Bible says he is able. He is able to save them to the uttermost. To the, to the very end. Why? Because he's alive. His ministry never changes. Amen. <laughs> Woo, there's some more preacher out there, but we don't have time. Amen. 